Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. Here we go. Okay, if you got your Bible with you today, open it with me once again to Mark the fourth chapter, Mark chapter four. We're going to continue in this series that we began, and we're going to move into another area of understanding today, the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. It's one of the most important things you can ever study. And the reason why I say that is because of verse 13. In verse 13, Jesus says to us, know ye not this parable? How then will you know or understand all parables? So he says to us that without understanding the truth, the principles are revealed to us in this parable, the other parables we will never understand. Now I know that's difficult to grasp until you understand this parable. But as you understand it, even today, the part we're gonna look at today, then you'll be able to get what Jesus was saying here. This is absolutely vital, right? Now, our teaching is called Good Ground. That's the subject that we're on. And that comes from the eighth verse of this chapter. But let's begin reading in verse one once again. Let's read the parable. And Jesus began to teach it to the, Teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat, that, and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, hearken, behold, which simply means hear and see. The sower went out to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, who when they, where, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And some fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. The word sprang up means that it caused that life to ascend from a lower level to a higher level. And isn't that what we all want? You know, I've just got to believe that if you're here on Sunday morning at 1030, you know, you could have waited and come at 1230 and slept more. <laughs> you could have come last night and slept all day. All right, I've got to believe that if you're here on Sunday morning at 10.30, you want to be good ground. Could I hear good amen on that today? Right, you want to be good ground. Right, you want to see your life ascend from a lower level to a higher level. And you know what I've discovered is that that is a process that goes on all your life. Today is yesterday's higher level and today is tomorrow's lower level to me because I plan on ascending all the time. Right? Said and sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. Well, isn't that the life that we all want? Isn't it the life that we all desire? Right? To where we, we receive the seed. Now, to me, seed means opportunity and potential. So that I receive the opportunities and the potential that God's word brings me the opportunities and the potential and that I receive it 
and that it yields in my life, that I become good ground. Now, Jesus said to us, look at verse nine, right? And he said unto them, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. You'll remember last week I said to you that the word hear does not mean to hear a sound. It means to understand the sound that you heard. So here Jesus tells us that the first thing that we've got to realize is that in order to be good ground, we have to put a premium on understanding. And you don't understand simply because you have ears. He's not talking about hearing. And the reason why I know that is because you can understand and be physically deaf. So he's talking here about understanding of your heart and that understanding is going to help produce the good ground and the fruit that God wants you to have in your life. How many of you are with me so far, right? So you got to place a premium on understanding, a desire to understand. Now, God's word brings understanding with it. So when you hear the sound, the understanding is present. The understanding comes, all right? Now, so all of us, desire to be good ground. Amen. Why would anyone not want to be good ground? I think we all want to be good ground. And we discovered last week that good ground isn't found, it's made. It's not found, it's made. Right? If you want to leave here today and drive down here along the, 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 the lower valley or go up in the upper valley and look at the farms down there, those farms down there, those farmers didn't, weren't driving by and saw the field all plowed up and ready and set. No, they made that good ground. Can I get a good amen on that today? Right? They made it. All right? Good ground isn't found, it's made. So in reality, our lives may not have started as good ground but they can become good ground. They can be turned into good ground, right? And the first thing that we need is understanding, all right? So why do we want to understand? Why do we desire to understand? Because we see the value, the impact, the potential, the opportunity that understanding God's word brings to our lives. So we see all of that. And then we remember the words of my late dad when he told me as a young boy, son, ain't no blessing on being dumb. Okay, and that's a great truth. There's no blessing on being dumb. Nobody's going to pay you to be dumb. Huh? They may love you, but they don't really want to be around. Okay, here we go. All of us have the ability to understand. You and I can become good ground. And not only can we become it, we can become it because Jesus desires it for our lives. He wants all of us to be good ground. All right, now let's get back into it. Go with me over to verse 14. Because in verse 14, Jesus explains the parable. And today I'm going to tell you, in the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to answer some questions for some of you of why some people behave the way they do. You're going to get real understanding, real insight into some behavior of some people that you may know or have known in your life. All right? It's going to really bring some enlightenment. Are you ready to roll? Verse 14, Jesus said, the sower sows 
the word. The sower sows the word. You remember last time the word, sow, the, the word sower there means the teacher disseminates knowledge. And he disseminates the knowledge of the emphatic word. I want to point that out to you, right? God's word is not just like word of everyone else. His word is different. His word comes with emphasis. It is an emphatic word. When God's word comes to your life, you've got to see it the way God sees it. You've got to elevate it into another place. You can't put it on par with all the other words that you hear in life. Because if you do, you're not going to get out of it what you want to get out of it. It's not going to produce in you what you want to produce in it. You cannot measure it against the word of your mama or your word of your abuela or your word of your co-workers or the word of CNN or Fox News. It is an emphatic word. It is a different word. It is the only word that will endure forever. All the other words will be burned up and pass away, but this word is a different word, all right? So you've got to see it that way, amen. amen. All right, so he said the sword disseminates the understanding of the emphatic word, all right? Now watch what happens. As that word comes, watch what happens. And these are they by the wayside, where the word, the emphatic word is sown or understanding is given. But when they have heard, the word heard means when they have understood, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away, what? The word that was sown in their hearts. Now, even Satan understands that all of God's potential for your life comes from your ability to embrace and receive and understand the word. And this is a battle, let me help you now, that you will fight as a child of God for the rest of your life. I have been walking in the knowledge of this parable for years, decades now. And I know that every week there is a battle in my life not to hear the word. And when I do hear it, to receive it. You know, I thank God that all of you are here today. But can I tell you a little secret? There were other people that God wanted to be here that aren't here. And I'm not mad at them. My heart actually goes out to them because they needed to hear what is being taught. But you know, if I, was, if I didn't want you to get a harvest, you were a farmer and I didn't want you to get that harvest, there are two things that I would try to do. Number one, I would try to get you to never, never plant your seed. Because if I can keep you from planting your seed, or number one, I would try to get you to never buy the seed to start with. And then if you bought the seed, I would do everything I could to not get you to plant the seed. And, in, and when if you planted the seed, I would try to plant other stuff in the field with your seed to harm your harvest. Well, now if I know that, surely the devil knows that. So it's a battle that he comes to take the word of God away from you because he knows that it's the word that is going to build your house on the rock. It's the word that is going to give you the potential and the impact and the fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold in your life that you want to have. And that's why you're sitting in church on Sunday morning. 
So there's a battle that goes on. So how quick did Satan come to this guy? Immediately. He came immediately to take away what? I couldn't hear you. He came to take away what? The word. Came to take away the word. All right, now let's look at it again. Usually in times past when I've taught this parable, I've kind of gone through this part really quick because I thought the next two were more important and they were more applicable to our lives. But yesterday I got to looking at this and I spent more time on it and I discovered that this one is absolutely vital. It's absolutely critical that we understand this, all right? So let's break it down, okay? He said, these are they sown by the wayside. The word wayside means the soil next to the road, all right? Now, we know that the soil next to the road is gonna have what characteristic? It's gonna be hard. So what Jesus was saying here is he's talking about hard-hearted people. That's a biblical term, hard-hearted people, people that are hard-hearted, okay? And he said that the word comes, and look what it says here. It says they understand the word. The word comes, and they understand the word, all right? Yet, Jesus said they reject that understanding, they reject it. Their heart is hard and they reject the understanding. Now that's not foreign to us. We know that this is a principle that is revealed to us in the word of God in Matthew 7. At the end of the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that a man that hears these sayings of mine understands them and does them shall be likened unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock. But a man that hears these sayings of mine, understands them and does them not, rejects the understanding, is likened unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And when the storms of life come, the house on the rock stands and the house on the sand falls. Why? Because of where it was built. So what is the rock? The rock is understanding the word and doing it. Amen. All right. And so here we see another illustration that Jesus gives us in Mark 4, that it is possible to understand the word. And because of the condition of a person's heart, that word never gets in and they reject the understanding that comes. Okay. And so as I thought about this, right. And I looked at this, right. And I asked myself this question, what makes ground hard? What makes ground hard? I think that's a good question. Because we all want to be good ground. But what makes ground hard? Right? I wrote down four things. Maybe it'll help you. Number one, I thought about natural ground. What makes ground hard? Number one, ground is hard because of what's done to it. Can make ground hard. What's done to it? You know, over uh, on the west side of town, they're doing a lot of freeway construction over there. If, if, you, if, if, if you're not caught up in it, thank God you're not caught up in it. It's been a trip, okay? So there's a lot of freeway construction over there. And one of the things that you notice is that a lot of times they get out these big rollers. You know what I'm talking about? These big rollers. And they roll over dirt, roll over dirt, and roll over that dirt. And pretty soon that dirt gets as hard as this floor. So ground can become hard because of what's done to it. Hearts can become hard because of what's been done to them. Because of abuse 
or lies or betrayals, come on, say amen today, right? Can make a heart hard. What else makes ground hard? What also makes ground hard is because of what's in the soil. What's in the soil? We know about that in El Paso, right? We got all kinds of rocks, right? We got all kinds of stuff and that can make the ground hard because of what's in the soil, right? We'll come back and talk about that in a moment in greater detail. Now, what else makes ground hard? What else makes ground hard is the very nature of the soil, the nature of the soil, what it's made up of, the very ingredient of the soil. You know, one of the uh, things that's kind of interesting to me as I travel around the world is that, you know, if somebody put me on an airplane and flew me to Southern Africa and didn't tell me they were taking me to Africa, when we come into land, I would know I was, in, I was coming into Southern Africa. You know why? Because the soil in Africa is bright yellow. It shocks you. It's bright yellow. When I was in Wales a few weeks ago, we were flying from London to Wales in a helicopter, uh, and we looked at miles as far as you could see farms, and it was like, it shocked me. The dirt in Wales is bright red. It's almost like fake. It's like, how could it be that red? Well, we know that the soil is yellow because of the minerals that are in it. The soil is red because of the minerals that are in it, right? The soil is dark, dark, dark because of the minerals that are in it, right? So the soil is that way because of the way it's made. Okay, so let's review, right? What makes, what makes hearts hard? Number one, what was done to it? Number two, what may be in it? And number three, what it was made up of. But here's another one, right? Because human hearts are different than natural soil. Get ready. The Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. So humans have the additional ability to harden their own hearts. Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 15 said, Israel hardened their hearts against God. So we have the ability to harden our own hearts hearts, to harden our own hearts. Are you still with me today? All right. Now let's go back. I said that hearts can become hard because of what's in it. So I was sitting there yesterday and I said, what makes ground hard is what is done to it, what is in it, what it's made of, and because of choices. We choose to make our ground hard. Now, the reality is, is that I can change my ground. I can change my heart. I can become good ground if I see the need for it and I desire it. If I see the value in it, I can change my heart. Keep your finger there in Mark 4 and go with me to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Are you learning anything today? Amen. Psalm 50. All right. Excuse me. Psalm 51. I'm sorry. Psalm 51. Go with me down to verse 10. David is writing and he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Several other translators read it this way. Create in me a new heart. 
You know, the psalmist recognized that the condition of his heart wasn't going to get him to where God wanted him to be and wasn't going to get him to the life that he wanted to be. And he recognized it and he said, God, I need a change of heart. I need my heart to change. Your heart will never change until you want it to change, until you desire it to change, till you see the value of changing it, till you say, this isn't working. My heart isn't good ground, but I want it to be. I want God's word with all of its potential, with all of its opportunity to bring forth in my life and cause my life to go from a lower level to a higher level at a 30, 60, and 100 fold rate. I want that and I embrace that, right? Look at, look at Proverbs 28 with me. Proverbs 28, look what, look what is the, the, the writer of Proverbs says over here, Solomon writing to us in Proverbs 28. Look at verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always. Now the word feareth there doesn't mean to be afraid. It means that you have brought into your life the principle called the fear of the Lord to where you've decided to live your life with a deep reverential sense of accountability to God. All right, but look at the next verse, the next part. But he that hardens his heart, look at that. But he that hardens his heart. No, I, don't, I reject that. No, I'm not gonna be accountable to God. It's my life and I'm gonna do what I want. It's my way, it's the way I think, it's the way I believe. This is what I, I am, this is the way I'm gonna be, right? What are you doing? You're hardening your heart. And he said, he that hardens his heart shall fall, fall, so your life doesn't ascend, your life descends. And it descends into mischief. The word mischief there means misery. It means bad, evil, calamities, failures. Can we tell the truth today? How many times have we witnessed that in our lives? How many times have we witnessed that? How many times have we seen husbands harden their hearts to the plea of their wives and their children? How many times have we seen wives harden their hearts to the pleas of their, of their husbands and their children? Harden their hearts to the pleas of their parents? How many times have we seen employers employ? How many times have we seen people say, stop, and they just keep going? Hmm. Maybe that's you in here today. Maybe you've got people around you today begging you to stop, pleading with you to stop. And you're just gritting your teeth, being hard, hearted. And I'm going to tell you what your future is. You're going to be by yourself. Don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Because I know people right now that are in their 70s and their 80s Hard guys by themselves. No wives, no kids, no grandkids, no friends. And if you looked at them back in their 30s and 40s, their life was here and now their life is here. It is exactly what that verse said. And you might as well say amen because you know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. All right? So what produces? So I kept asking myself, Why would a man stay hard-hearted? I can become good ground, 
or I can stay hard-hearted. And why would anyone remain hard-hearted? Here's some things that I listed that I think, I don't say this is a complete list, but here's some things that I've listed and I've seen in scripture and I've seen in other people as I thought about it that make people, hearts hard. Number one, rebellion. Rebellion. We rebel. We rebel. I don't know why we're that way, but we can be. We rebel. I know. Hmm? I've had guys look at me, look me in the eye and say, I know what you're telling me is right. I know what my wife is saying is right, but I'm going to do it this way. Okay. So God is bringing you understanding, giving you the opportunity to become good ground and you choose to be hard-hearted. Wow. Number two, pride. Pride. Pride can make your heart hard. Three, anger. Anger can make your heart hard. But I've got reason to be angry. Okay. And I know I sound like a smart aleck when I say this, but I don't, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. And what's it getting you, man? What's all that anger getting you? Hmm? Doubt. Doubt. All of us battle doubt. Everybody battles doubt. We live in a world that's full of doubt. Huh? So we have to overcome unbelief. Bible says the nation of Israel hardened their hearts through unbelief. <laughs> unbelief. Yeah, I know the Bible says that, but I don't believe it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know, but I don't believe it. Okay. Resentment. Resentment can harden your heart. How about this one? Desire for revenge. Desire for revenge. Here's another one. Entitlement can harden your heart. Entitlement can harden your heart. Huh? It's everybody's responsibility to make me happy. It's everybody's responsibility to change to suit me. It's everybody's responsibility to make my life wonderful. No, it ain't, honey. No, it's not. Some of you were happy you came until right then. <laughs> All right. Can I tell you a little secret? One of the greatest truths that God ever dropped in my heart years ago, years ago, God dropped in my heart. I'm going to tell you the truth. All right. I was really irritated with Rochelle. I mean, irritated. And God spoke to me one day and said, hey, it's not her job to make you happy. It's your job to make you happy. It's not your neighbor's job to make you happy. It's not your president's job to make you 
happy. It's not your boss's job to make you happy. It's your job, Charles, to make you happy. So knock it off and grow up. And I'll tell you, I was in my closet and he did not make me happy when he said that. (laughs) But he didn't care. All right. Are we learning anything today? All right. Listen, you have to agree to change. To see a better life being good ground instead of hard-hearted ground. You have to agree and recognize that the conditions of your heart aren't working. That this hard-heartedness isn't working. Ten more minutes. All right? Now, I'm going to show you. I'm going to just wrap it up for you. Has this been good today? Amen. Now, what I did was, is that I went through the Old and New Testament yesterday And I looked up all the places where the word hard-hearted was used. And there's a lot of verses, Old and New Testament. And I just wrote down the different definitions. I'm not going to take you to the verses. There's too many of them. But I gave you the definitions. Because in looking at these definitions, I was like, wow. So here they are, right? Are you ready? Here are the the biblical characteristics of hard-heartedness. Here we go. Number one. The first definition of hard-hearted in the Old Testament means to be aggressive. A lot of aggressive people are in truth hard-hearted people. They're hard-hearted. Some of you were raised by really aggressive parents. Aggressive. And I submit to you they were that way because they were hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. A lot of aggressive people are in fact hard-hearted people. You'll understand why as we look at more definitions. Number two, hard-hearted also means to be heavy or a burden. Now it carries with it two two applications. Listen, number one, to be hard-hearted is a burden, a heavy burden for you to carry. It is a heavy burden. And I'm telling you, I've given a lot of thought to this and I think a lot of you would agree with me. You can carry it pretty well when you're in your 20s and your 30s. By the time you get in your 60s and 70s, it's going to break you down. It's going to break you down. It's too heavy a burden to carry. But let me tell you this. It also means that a hard-hearted person is a burden to the people around them. They're a burden to the other people. Number three, listen to these definitions. Hard-heartedness says these are the characteristics of it. They're difficult. Hmm? Have you ever said this? Whoo, those people are difficult. Yeah. Possibly because they're hard-hearted. Here we go. It also means cruel. You know, a lot of cruel people are in fact hard-hearted people. Harsh. Uh, Charles, my dad was so harsh. Yeah, it's probably because your dad was hard-hearted. 
I don't say that judgmentally. I'm just trying to help you understand. Severe. Resentful. Oppressed and crushed. Again, has a double meaning. Number one, it means that a lot of hard-hearted people are hard-hearted because they have been oppressed or something happened to them that crushed them. It also means that hard-hearted people oppress other people and crush other people. Here's one. Stubborn. Well, everybody in my family is stubborn. I'm I'm just saying I'm not sure I'm making that a source of pride. (laughs) Another definition. Calloused. 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 Here's one. The last definition from the Old Testament. Hard-hearted is defined as being growing arrogance. Growing arrogance. Man, I tell you, that guy gets more arrogant every year. No, what he's getting is more hard-hearted every year. Is this doing what I said it would do? Is this explaining some behaviors to you? Huh? You know, I, th- I, was, th- I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I said, you know, I think a lot of these people that we say are crazy, in fact, they're not crazy, they're just hard-hearted. I'll let you think on that one for a second. They're just hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. Hmm? Now, you know what else I'll tell you? Because every time we have something happen in our country, like with the Las Vegas massacre or 9-11 or something like that, a lot of people say, and I I don't know if they say to you, they probably do, but they definitely say to me, well, where was God? Why didn't God do something? Seriously? Do you really think God wasn't telling that guy in Vegas to stop? Do you really think God wasn't telling him no, 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 no? Do we really think God wasn't telling those guys that were going down to hijack those planes? No, 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 no. And you know what we think? Oh, they were crazy. Well, maybe they were. But I also submit to you they were hard-hearted. Calloused. Harsh. Severe. Resentful. Angry. Amen? Aggressive. Here's the New Testament definitions. Insensitive to touch. Insensitive to touch. Insensitive. A lot of times this manifests itself when other people are being touched by something and and the hard-hearted person just stands there and goes, what? I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. What do I care? Hmm? I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. Manifests itself all around us. You see it all the time. What do I care? Well, it shouldn't have been there anyway. (laughs) I actually heard a guy say that. I actually heard a guy say that. I don't know who he was. I just heard it in passing. They were talking about the Vegas thing. And I actually heard a guy say that. Well, if they'd been at home with their families on Sunday night, that wouldn't have happened to them. I thought, you jerk. What I should have said was, you 
hard-hearted jerk. Hmm? Insensitive to touch. Are we learning anything today? Unmoved by persuasion, pity, or tender feelings. Unyielding, stubbornly resistant to moral influence. The antonyms are soft, humble, and repentant. Soft, humble, and repentant. Repentant means to go from a bad life to a good life, from a good life to a better life. So that's a lifelong progress, right? Bad to good, good to better. Bad to good, good to better. Bad to good, good to better. Amen? And I can't do that if I'm hard-hearted. I can't do it. Last thought, and then we'll close. I wrote this down. How much damage has been done because of hard-heartedness? How much damage? Allowing Satan to steal the word away from us. How many times I've heard this, and I know you have too. How many times I've heard this? I've seen people turn to someone else and say, please stop. Please stop. You're destroying your life. Please stop. You're destroying this home. Please stop. And they just keep going. Why? Because they're hard-hearted. If you've heard that, and I'm not judging you, if you've heard that, I believe God brought you to church today because God is putting a stop sign in your path. And he wants to stop you from falling into mischief. He wants to give you a chance to turn your life and soften your heart and repent and let God bring forth good fruit in your life, 30, 60, and 100, instead of calamities and failures. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? In four minutes, you'll be dismissed. Right on time. You're the only service that's going to get out on time today. Maybe the next one. But could I have every head bowed and every eye closed? And I really mean that. Please, 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 don't rebel against this, please. Don't just defy me. Because I want to give people a chance to be prayed for without being looked at. If you're here today and God has spoken to you and you heard some of you in this today, thank God you're here. Thank God you heard. Thank God now you're going to act on it. Yesterday when I was doing this, God told me at the end of every service to pray for people and he was going to change hearts today. He was going to do a miracle.